You are listening to the Contemplative Motherhood Podcast. My name is Chelsea. I'm a teacher, practitioner, spiritual director, and pilgrim. And I'm Erin, a creative, homeschool educator, counselor, and spiritual seeker. Listen in as we dive deeper into the contemplative lifestyle through hearing about each of our lives. You'll hear our triumphs, failures, practices, and mistakes as we journey together. You might even hear a kid or two in the background. So grab some coffee, tea, curl up, and take off your shoes. You are welcome here. Now let's get started. Hello, hello. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Contemplative Motherhood Podcast. I am your host, Erin Thomas, and I am super excited to be here with you today. If you notice, I am missing uh, my co-host, Chelsea Whipple, and um, if you've been listening to our podcast since the beginning of the season, you know that Chelsea and I are in our off-season right now of the Contemplative Motherhood podcast, and she is in full-fledged academic mode, uh, spending time this weekend um, in her doctoral program, and so we wish her all the best, and I miss her so much, <laughs> and you know, she's actually on a silent retreat this weekend as we speak, which I just feel like uh, we could all use at this point in time, um, but wishing her well and hoping that she's going to join us in a few future episodes. Um, so you might notice that the format of this particular episode is going to be a little different than some of our prior podcast episodes. I. Your host, Erin, will be sharing five bonus episodes with a specific focus on the contemplative child. And today's episode is titled, The Push and Pull of Parental Emotional Capacity. Yeah, just a lightweight subject, right, guys? (laughs) Um, You know, this is going to look a little bit different than what you have heard in some of our prior episodes, but I encourage you, if you haven't listened to season one of the Contemplative Motherhood podcast, please do so, um, because it is an excellent framework and just a great place to start to understand a bit more about what a contemplative lifestyle looks like for children Um, and for us, actually, more so on motherhood. Um, But we're going to focus a bit more on the child side of the contemplative lifestyle. And we're going to do some unpacking of that. I'll tell you that one of the things I started understanding and and as I started looking into what this lifestyle looks like and how to share this in my own home with my children, the reality is that the contemplative lifestyle for a child will greatly depend on their stage of development, whether this is socially or emotionally, as well as their cognitive development. And so keep that in mind as we unpack these future episodes that this may look different in your home depending on how old your children are um, and also where they are socially, emotionally, um, and intellectual development as well. So our children's spiritual development is very much connected to their growth in other developmental areas. So this can be kind of difficult to flesh out. 
It's my hope that in this child-focused podcast time frame that I'm able to share with you some brief but significant tools to support a contemplative family lifestyle and specifically navigating these areas of contemplative life for your children. I know what you're thinking, Erin, how in the world do you expect us to implement a contemplative lifestyle for our children? It's a big, it feels like a big assignment, to be honest. Um, And so if you're unfamiliar with the term contemplative or you're unfamiliar with a contemplative lifestyle, I encourage you to do a bit of research and also to look back on a few of our episodes at the beginning of the first season. This definitely will help you in moving forward with some of this child-focused content. But moving forward, you know, I want to address the framework for what this looks like for our children and how, as parents, me being a parent as well, can scaffold and provide open-ended support for our children's spiritual exploration. So to be frank with you, I'm not exactly sure what your religious viewpoints are in your home. And it, you know, it's going to vary. I know that we have a wide variety of listeners. But the great thing is, is that the contemplative life lends itself to adaptation. So according to your value and your belief system, you may have a different faith tradition than someone else who is parenting and listening to this podcast. So Feel free to make the decisions and the adaptations that you need to to fit your family. So we're going to address some of the concerns, right, that we have as parents living in the platform of this high level of responsibility. Parenting is a huge responsibility. We feel this push and pull and tug, especially these days in this challenging time period of the political climate, the social climate, the pandemic climate. And so I want to address one particular aspect of the contemplative lifestyle. And you've probably heard this term used more than once. One of the terms that seems to be becoming increasingly popular is the concept of mindfulness. Mindfulness. Okay, what exactly does that mean? Everywhere we look on social media, we find that there are resources for quote-unquote engaging children in mindfulness activities. I'll admit, as a counselor and a parent of young children, I have very many of these resources on my bookshelf. Um, So over the next few episodes, I hope that we'll flesh out exactly what that looks like. Um, But for now, know that in addition to mindfulness, we can use interchangeably the word contemplation. And what that means for in this context is the awareness of a child's emotional, physical, and psychological and spiritual well-being. In reality, all of these words that we use are intertwined and used on a regular basis in a contemplative lifestyle. 
the practical aspect of it is the practice or discipline that we use in our everyday life with our children. So let's kind of start on beginning what the framework of a contemplative child looks like. I think it's important, first of all, to kind of inventory where you are um, and what your vision is for your children and for your family. Maybe you've thought about this. Maybe you haven't. But having a family vision and having a vision for your parenting life, whether you're a single parent or co-parenting with a spouse or um, another person in your life, you know that children are often subjected to a nature and a nurture influence. And so having a vision for what it looks like to parent a contemplative child is a huge aspect of how you flesh this out in your home. So we know that in addition to nature and nurture influences, we also are dealing with the intertwining of spiritual and psychological development. And I'll be honest with you, for me, that can't really be separated. I wish that it was that simple and that we could do that, um, but we can't always tease those out as black and white as we'd like for them to be. And so that's why I say, first and foremost, if possible, look at what your vision is for a contemplative lifestyle. Ask the divine for guidance to navigate this road with your family or if you're a single parent, you and your child. If we intentionally look at what social constructs and spiritual constructs are, our children develop, um, you know, this is also a push and pull of the nature and nurture influence. These things are really difficult to flesh out. In a sense, does the chicken come before the egg or the egg becomes before the chicken, right? Like this is a never-ending conversation. So our goal as parents, as um, leaders, as guardians, as influential figures in our children's lives, we are regularly presented with opportunities to address our children's spiritual development. This feels like a super heavy responsibility, and frankly, many of us are more comfortable allowing someone else to do it, right? Like, I don't want to do that. You do that. Or I see an opportunity for a conversation, and I ignore it because, eh, you know what? I don't really want to go there yet. So I want to encourage you that, honestly, as scary as this is, this can be one of the greatest gifts that we give our children, and that is to recognize that parenting and the concept of spiritual development in children is a collaborative effort. We play a lot of roles, right, in our children's lives, whether you're a parent or a leader of children, a teacher, whatever it may look like. You could be a chauffeur, a teacher, a short order cook, a field trip supervisor. There are endless numbers of roles that parents and influential figures and leaders of children are expected to fill. We quickly realize we cannot do all of the things. And friends, 
if I'm honest with you, we're not intended to do all those things. And that is where community comes in. But we'll talk about that in a few minutes. If we actually do all of the things, if you've tried this before, which I have, (laughs) then it's quickly noticeable that balls are dropped, right? Regular, we're juggling and we're dropping the balls, all the balls. So if you haven't listened to my bio episode in the first episode, first or oh, second episode of the Contemplative Motherhood podcast, you will know that I am a homeschool mother. Ah, my friends, I feel like there is sort of some unrealistic expectations as though maybe I have more patience or wear certain clothing that makes me some sort of superhero when in fact I fall flat on my face on a regular basis. So I just want to put that out there. Um, I was a full-time working mother several years ago and a counselor for young children and their families. And I also served in a children's ministry role. And this is kind of where the story starts. I found that over and over again, families ask the same question. And still, I ask this question to myself. Am I doing enough? What should I be doing to encourage my child's spiritual development? These are huge questions. In American culture, and I am a product of American culture, we're often so product-driven, right? And I often feel that most of us want to understand what exactly this grand gesture is or this package that would give us a guide to prevent us from royally screwing up our kids, right? Like that is our fear. That is the underlying fear and lie that we believe oftentimes that prevents us from fully engaging in a present listening companion relationship with our children. With a desire to see spiritual development and growth. So backtracking a little bit, over time of attempting to do this myself and continually falling flat on my face, I'll tell you that what I found out that what I was doing was trying to parent beyond my own emotional capacity. I could do a lot of things physically, right? Like I could buy all the curriculum, all of the lessons. I could take them to all of the classes. But what I wasn't doing was being intentionally engaged with my children and listening to them. It's easy to outsource this responsibility. And honestly, that's not a bad idea all the time. Um, I always felt encouraged in that capacity that I was doing something for their spiritual development in some way. And then other times I felt like it wasn't enough. It's that consistent push and pull of our emotional complexity. Consistently placing myself in an area of responsibility that was unrealistic. And rather than being a compass or a guide for my children, I felt like a dictator, a person desiring persuasion rather than supportive guidance. And quite frankly, it negated the beauty of the child's individuality. So certain methods of spiritual development didn't feel like a tool in their own toolbox, 
Rather, they felt like I was trying to make a carbon copy essay that was required for them to read and recite and memorize. And so I put it down. I walked away from this level of responsibility that felt unbalanced in more ways than one. And after some time of working on my own understanding of children's spiritual development, I found that I wasn't finding a balance between how much emotional capacity I could have to engage in thoughtful, intentional, and authentic spiritual conversations with my children. I was so focused on the teaching and preaching portion that I completely disregarded my children's natural ability to have a curiosity about God and the world around them, which is inherently built within them. And so rather than these feeble attempts to run a one-woman show, it resulted in an overburdening on myself and on my children. And to be frank with you, it felt very shame-based with unrealistic expectations of what it meant to have a spiritual life as a child. And so, almost in a midlife crisis moment, I decided to go back to the basics, even if I was pretty much uncertain about what they were. We were going to do three things. One, we were going to listen. We were going to listen to others, and we were going to listen to the divine spirit of God. Two, we were going to read. Whether that meant that we read a religious text, we read the Bible, we read the Torah, whatever it is in our faith tradition, for us it was the Bible. Whether it's stories, we were going to read stories. And three, we were going to spend time in creation, in nature, in the natural elements. And this was sort of a template that I still use today for myself and my children in a search for questions, not for answers, but more questions. Sometimes there were answers. Sometimes we understood things about God or about the divine, but the most important component of having this capacity was that it allowed me as the parent, to be present with my children and with the divine. So let me say that again. The most important component of having emotional capacity to journey with our children in their spiritual formation journey is to be actively engaged in our own spiritual formation of being present with God and with others. So I hope that that gives you a springboard today, and I hope that that inspires you this week to have a spiritual conversation with your child. Our quote, like we always like to do at the end of every episode of the podcast, this week is from Lacey Finn Borgo, and it is from the book Spiritual Conversations with Children. This is a wonderful resource for children's spiritual formation and spirit children's spiritual direction. You can find Lacey at gooddirtministries.org. Lacey says that parents are essential listening companions and children need additional adults who are present to listen 
and to encourage them in their life with God. She goes on to say that spiritual conversations with children also benefits the adult doing the listening. When we are fully present and open to one another, we will be changed. Our own childhood self will be offered the invitation to connect with God. The Spirit longs to heal old wounds and to embrace long-buried gifts. Indeed, as you listen to God with a child, the child will lead you into a fuller experience of God's love and acceptance. Oh, my friends, what a gift that is, a fuller experience of God's love and acceptance. So our practice this week, I want to encourage you during your time of solitude to take time to address any areas you wish to listen intently to the divine's leading from your own childhood. And if you're able, take the opportunity to reflect on these areas of question. Think about whether or not these may be opportunities to have a divinely appointed conversation with your children. And hear me say this, there isn't a need to rush. There isn't a need to overrun with teaching or preaching. Not that those aren't great tools. But only simply look for listening companion opportunities right now. A scaffold of support and a listening companion relationship with your children is a lifelong tool for their spiritual development. So thank you for joining me today on this episode of The Contemplative Child, a bonus of the Contemplative Motherhood podcast. I look forward to engaging with you online and in person and on this important concept of spiritual formation in children. Thank you again for joining us today on the Contemplative Motherhood Podcast with us, your hosts, Erin Thomas and Chelsea Whipple. To get regular updates on our podcast, hear new episode drops, interact with us about past and future episodes, and find our show notes, make sure to go to our website, www.contemplativemotherhood.org. As always, we appreciate your support of this podcast and in helping us share our journey with others. So if you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. This helps us to cross paths with other pilgrim mamas across the board. So until next time.